Thanks, Evan. Good morning. Welcome. So glad to see you this morning. If this is your first time here with us, my name is Matt. I'm the lead pastor here at Mission View Church. And um, there is a ton of things going on here, and i got to calm down a little bit because I have to remember all these different things um, before we jump into today's sermon. But um, the first thing I want to, um, to bring up is our um, partnership with World Help. Um, we are in partnering with World Help doing Village Transformation. This is a three-year program that we, we have committed to. We are in the middle of the second year of that program. And what the Village Transformation is, is we go to uh, Los Bordos and we go out to a village. And the first year, we provide water through um, uh, to the village through a well or, or whatever. The second year is we go and build a school for the community. And then the third year is we go and build a church for that village. It's a three-year transformation process. We're in the second year. This October, a team of, I think it's 13 or 14 people are going to Los Bordos, and we're going to be building, I think it's actually renovating a school for this village. So really exciting thing, really exciting thing. Now, I just wanted to clarify a couple things because we've been talking about this off and on, and you may see it on Facebook or on the website from time to time, but um, there's a $30,000 commitment that we have made this year. On Good Friday earlier this year, we took up a special offering for Los Bordos, and I'm happy to say that we raised close to $9,000 in one offering for Los Bordos, and we're really excited about that. Now, this $30,000 isn't money to send the team. Uh, the team is raising their own funds for that. It's out of pocket. They're going to be raising that and, and going down. This $30,000 is separate from that for the village transformation. So just wanted to bring some clarity to that as well. But I wanted to let you know that we're gonna be doing another offering for Los Bordos and the village transformation coming up. Just be looking for that in your a bulletin or on Facebook and we'll be letting you know about it through announcements and different things. So um, we're really excited that Mission View is on mission for God. We're partnering with World Help and it's gonna be a powerful time. Now, October is kind of a difficult time to get away, and, and if you're a school teacher or, or something like that, it, it may be next to impossible. So next year, we're planning on going back to Los Bordos to build the church, and we're going to do it in the summertime to free up some schedules, and maybe you are not able to come the last couple of times. We're hoping that you'll be able to go next year, so be looking for that as well, scheduling your plans. It's probably going to be around July, July time, so um, be looking for that too. All right, do we have any military, anyone who's served in our military here? Would you stand, please? Memorial Day weekend, would you stand? We want to thank those, remember those. Now stay standing. I know you guys hate this, but stay standing. I want to pray for you. Let's, let's pray for them this morning. Father, we thank you for these um, who are standing before us, the sacrifice that they have made. And Father, we pray that you would bless them. God, that you would protect them, that you would guard their hearts. And most of all, God, we pray that you would draw them close to yourself. Do what only you can do in their lives, Father, that you would draw them unto you. Make yourself known to them in a powerful way, Lord, and bless them. Bless their families and their marriages. Protect them in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for your service. All right. 
Well, if you have your Bibles today, I'm so excited. We've been going through the book of Ruth. It's called A Redeeming Love Story. Um, Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Ruth chapter 4. We're going to be in Ruth chapter 4. We're going to be closing out our Ruth series. And um, this is a really exciting time. It's a great chapter here. A lot of stuff going through my mind as I'm thinking through the sermon today. Um, But next week, we're going to be doing three sermons. It's not a part of a series over the next three weeks, talking about different things. So I encourage you to come back for those next weeks. And then following that, we start our new sermon series called Ask the Pastor. And a couple months ago on Twitter or Facebook, I can't remember which it was, I put out a question. What are are some questions you would like to ask um, but never have an opportunity to? What are, some, what are some of those things that maybe you've questioned, you've wondered, they've nagged at you a little bit, and you've wanted answers for? So I kind of opened the door, and everybody told me I was crazy, but um, I opened the door for some questions, and I, let me tell you, I've received some amazing questions. I mean, we're going to be looking into what happens after we die. What does that look like? We're going to talk about heaven. We're going to talk about what does it mean when the Bible says that God chose me? What does that mean? What does that look like? How do these things affect how I live? And there's a ton of questions, really good ones we're going to be going through this summer. And um, here's another exciting thing is at the end of each sermon, for the last 10 to 15 minutes, we're going to open it up for live questions, live Q&A as well, uh, to go along with the topics that we've talked about. It will be an expositionary sermon series. It is topical, but we will do it expositionary. I will go through um, a text regarding the topic that we're talking about and exposit that, and then we'll do the Q&A afterwards. So it, it should be a really good time, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I hope you are too. By all the questions I've been getting, I think everybody's really looking forward to it. So, all right. Here in Ruth chapter 4, as we close out um, our Ruth series, the Redeeming Love Story, we have seen famine, Poor choices made by Elimelech, tragedy in the death of Elimelech and his two sons, leaving three women widowed. We saw Ruth, the Moabite woman, make a choice to make Naomi's people and Naomi's God her people and her God. And it was a beautiful picture of faithfulness and loyalty on the behalf of Ruth to Naomi. Now, Uh, When Ruth left Moab, she left her family, she left her future, she committed, she made a decision to follow God, the King of kings and Lord of lords. But they went back to nothing. We we see Naomi and, and Ruth widowed with nothing, no future, no home. They were they were destitute, hungry, and hopeless. But God brought a redeemer into the picture. Boaz is this single man, Saul Ruth, and kind of took her under his wing, providing food for the hungry widows. Then Naomi recognizing Boaz could be their kinsman redeemer, gave Ruth some questionable advice at best. Last week we talked through that just a little bit. And uh, Ruth basically proposes to Boaz, and, um, and it was some, some weird circumstances going on there. But, but Boaz responded kindly and promised to redeem her, making Ruth his wife. But there was one problem we found out last week. There's one problem with Boaz going to do this. There was a redeemer closer, a redeemer closer who had first redemption rights and Boaz had some work to do. So that's kind of where we, we uh, pick up the story today in Ruth chapter four. Let's go ahead and pray before we read God's word together. 
Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, that it is truth, that it is dependable. And, and Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that you put inside of us, that it, that it reveals your truth to us. And as we read your word, our, our hearts and our minds are enlightened and are opened up to what you would have us do, who you would have us be, and how we live out life in relationship with you. So Father, in this time, change us for your glory and for our good. Work in our hearts as only you can do. We, we say that we trust you, Father. We trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'm going to read through this text, but there's a ton of stuff going on. So I'm going to kind of read through it and then talk about what's going on behind the scenes as we go. So bear with me. I'm not going to just read through the story like I have in the past few weeks. There's some things I want to point out here. The first one's this. We start chapter four. It says, now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. Okay, this is normal. This is, the gate is where they handled business. It was kind of like their court or their police station or their gathering area where, where people would come to do business. So that was kind of a normal thing for them. So we see that right at the, right up front. And then it says, and behold, the redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. Now this, this idea and behold in the original language is more like this. This redeemer just so happened to pass by Boaz, as he went to the gates, by some miraculous happenstance, this guy walks right by Boaz. And so Boaz said, turn aside, friend, and sit down here. Now, this is, this is really important because I, I think our English translation doesn't really communicate what the author was trying to get across to us. This is kind of where a good study Bible is really helpful. This turn aside, friend, what we need to gather from this is that the author of Ruth is conveying a really deep and important message. You see, in Bible times, names were really, really important. I mean, so important so that, that God and Jesus would actually change people's names. Saul became Paul, and, and a list goes on and on. Names are extremely important. Now, Boaz knew this guy. I mean, they, he knew him very well. In fact, he knew him so well that he knew that this kinsman redeemer was a closer kinsman that he would, Boaz would have to go through if he wanted to redeem Ruth and Naomi. So the author's really trying to communicate something important to us, and it's this. He's conveying a lack of importance or even distaste for this person. He's saying, this guy, I don't like this guy. If he... If, it's a show of major disrespect by leaving his name out of the text. So keep that in mind, and we're going to revisit here in just a second. Okay, moving on here. It says, And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit down here. Now, we're making our move to legalities here. Anytime you gather the elders together, we're about to make some decisions. So they sat down. Then he said to the Redeemer, Naomi, now notice that his name wasn't listed again, so we're seeing it again. Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, but it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people, if you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, 
I will redeem it. That's really important. It's really important. Here's this guy, no name, disrespected by the author of Ruth. I mean, is Mr. No Name says he's going to redeem it. I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Then the Redeemer, his name's not there again, said, I cannot redeem it for myself lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself for I cannot redeem it. Cannot. That's not true. He could. He should have said, I will not redeem it. Now, this is important because back in Deuteronomy, we see that God commanded and God put in place that if you could be a kinsman redeemer, that was your responsibility. That was your call. You are supposed to go in and you are supposed to make things right. You're supposed to redeem what was lost. It was his responsibility. This was, this was his, not just responsibility, this was his opportunity, this was his moment to shine. He could be the kinsman redeemer. In fact, he could go down in history as one of the kinsman redeemers for David's line, for the actual, for Jesus' line, his Jesus' bloodline. He could have been a redeemer. But he fumbles the ball and fails miserably. Why? Because he's selfish. He throws away what God's word tells him to do because he's worried about himself and his line. He is wrapped up in fear and selfishness. Here's what, here's what I really want to pull through out of this. Selfishness corrupts identity. Our selfishness corrupts our identity. We are created to reflect the King of kings and Lord of lords. And, and we, we live out what we believe about ourselves. The question is, what do you believe? What do I believe about who I am? We just sang that song, Who You Say I Am. I love how God works out the, the, the worship time and the songs with the sermons. I don't know if you've noticed this or not. We try and plan the best we can, but, but God's so much better at it than we are. This is, this is actually in my notes, and, and Jesse didn't have this. What do you believe? Who they say you are? Who you say you are? Or who God says you are? What do we believe? This unnamed guy did not believe who God said he was. You know who God said he was? You. You are the kinsman redeemer. I'm going to use you to preserve the bloodline of Jesus Christ, my one and only son. And he just throws it away. He throws it away because he didn't trust God. He took his life, he took his future into his own hands and held it so tightly that he destroyed it. And he lost what could have been. Selfishness corrupts identity. Selfishness destroys identity. He didn't trust God's provision 
only worried about his inheritance, his future. He actually believed he could control his future. God's word told him, be a kinsman redeemer, but he chose to be less. Let's move on in verse 7. Now, this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, the one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other. Does that sound weird or what? Here's my shoe. Just take this off and throw it down to Adam today. To confirm a transaction, the one drew off a sandal and gave it to the other. And this was the manner of attesting in Israel. I did some research on this because I just thought it was really weird. And just as, just as a side note, this isn't my notes or anything, but the sandal represented, see, land was everything back then. That was your inheritance. That's where you get your food from. That was, land was everything. And they measured their parcels of land, they, not with a measuring stick, but with a walk with their feet. And so any type of legal um, transaction, the sandal kind of represented that measurement of, of decision. So that was, that was one, one thing that, that uh, they, I read about this. But, so when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Chilion and Malon, which is Elimelech's sons who passed away in Moab. Also, Ruth, the Moabite, the widow of Malon, I have bought to be my wife, to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. Man, Boaz is a man of his word. He chose, he said he would do it, and he's done it. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrathah and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And he went into her and the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. Did you know that she was married to Milan for 10 years and she was known as barren? 10 years. They tried to have children in Moab. Ruth makes that decision to follow the Lord. She comes and makes that sacrifice, leaving family and future and everything. What does God do? Gives her a son. Then the woman said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord. This is a huge, huge celebration. Who has not left you this day without a redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life, a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child, laid him on her lap, and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood, I love that the translation says neighborhood here. But anyways, gave him a name saying, a son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. 
Now the genealogy of David. Here we see some really cool things. Now these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Aminadab. Try and say that one seven times really fast. Aminadab fathered Nashan. Nashan fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz. Boaz fathered Obed. Obed fathered Jesse. And Jesse fathered David. And we know that the bloodline of David brought Jesus Christ to the world. Awesome. What a great story. Isn't it neat? Now, we talked about when we started this sermon series that all of Scripture, all of this book points to the person of Jesus Christ. And and we've seen amazing pictures of God's sovereignty and God's amazing work being active in our lives. It's not just God active in Ruth's life and in Naomi's life and Elimelech's life, but but God's active today in our lives. And as we see him, him work this miraculous plan and and, and use a Gentile, someone who's from Moab, a Moabite woman, to perpetuate the line all the way down to Jesus is amazing. That is amazing. God's grace in that is mind-blowing. But I want to take three more things on top of all the different things we've taken from this story. Three more things that we learn from the story of Ruth, this redeeming love story. Now, in the program you got as you came in, there's some fill-ins. This is the first one. It goes like this. God doesn't forsake those who trust in him. God doesn't forsake, forget, leave alone those who trust in him. Man, one thing we really learn here in the story of Ruth is that God's not going to let you down. God's not going to let you down. Look at what happened to Ruth after she declared her trust in the king of kings. Here's kind of the progression of Ruth. In Ruth 2.10, she was a foreigner. And in Ruth 2.13, she changed to a lower servant. And then in Ruth 3.9, she was upgraded to a maidservant. And now here in Ruth 4.13... She becomes a wife. What a powerful story to go from foreigner, not known, not a part of God's family, to a woman that gives birth to the great great grandfather of David. God did that in Ruth's life. This reminds me of what we read in Ephesians. It goes like this. Therefore, this is Paul talking to the church in Ephesus and to us today, I think. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcised by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time, (coughs) excuse me, separated from Christ. Listen, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant, covenants of promise, having what? No hope and without God in the world. This is who we are without Christ. This is who we are without God's amazing grace through what Jesus has done for you and me on the cross. As we read through God's word here in Ephesians, we see the picture God was creating in the redeeming love story in Ruth. We were at one time separated from God, alienated, strangers, having no hope. Doesn't that sound familiar? 
Have you ever felt hopeless? Like a stranger? Alienated? Maybe at school? Maybe you didn't fit in? Maybe you've had such a difficult season in life that you just feel like God has left you. We all go through those seasons, and some of them can be so difficult. Maybe you feel like God's not even hearing your prayers. Listen to what God's word says as we continue in Ephesians. But now, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access into one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. This is the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. If you're here today and you're not in relationship with God, maybe you haven't surrendered your will to his will God loves you. He wants to be in relationship with you. He wants you to go from being a stranger from a foreign land or different and indifference of God and hostility with God to peace and joy in relationship with a God who has plans for your life. What God did for Ruth, God wants to do for you. And he can and he will. What an amazing picture of the gospel in Ruth's life. You know, we go from hopeless to hopeful, from strangers to family, from alienated to friends. God is not far from you in your struggles, in your pain. God is with you. There may be a famine just like Elimelech and Naomi and Chilion and Malon had that famine, were terrified and were hungry, you may be in a famine. Don't run from God's presence like Elimelech did. Run to God's presence and trust in him. There may be a great loss, but remember what we've learned here in Ruth is that God is a provider, a protector, and a redeemer. God will provide, protect, and redeem. Ruth's redeeming love story is mine and your redeeming love story. The second thing I want us to pull out from this redeeming love story is this. God's provision, God's plan, is sometimes different than our vision. God's provision is sometimes different than our vision. I'm sure Ruth planned on her life going a lot different than what it did, right? She's in Moab. 
minding her own business, worshiping a bunch of crazy gods and all this other stuff with her family and growing up in a life way different than, than the Israelites. She meets this guy who moves new guy into town and he's an Israelite and he says that he worships the one true God and she marries him and he dies and just this crazy turn of events, right? It's just, I'm sure Ruth was not planning on moving to Bethlehem, right? She probably had completely different plans. Anybody here uh, going through life have, have found out that it just doesn't go the way you think it's going to go? Anybody? Right? Life is crazy. I don't know if you picked up on it yet, but life is crazy. I mean, I, <laughs> I moved from, from Dayton, Ohio to North Canton, Ohio. You know, it's a funny thing. Me and my wife were praying. You know, we prayed, Lord, Lord, we want to move to NC. NC. North Carolina. Down there on the ocean, we were, we were ready to go. Lord, just move us to NC. And he moves us to North Canton. Right? God's like, I answered your prayer, son. NC, here you go. Not quite the beach, but we have the lake, right? We can make it up the lake, right? God doesn't always work in the ways that we think he should work or, or that we want him to work, you know? Sometimes the answers to our prayers are completely different than what we expected. I remember um, uh, I went to, after high school, I moved out to BC in Canada. I lived in Langley, which is about 30 minutes uh, southeast of Vancouver, BC. And uh, it was a school of worship called Pacific Worship School, um, and went through the school, really enjoyed my time there. Um, I was, in, when I first started in ministry, I was a worship leader. And um, so I was learning all these different things, and I had a, a guitar teacher named Brian Thiessen. Uh, and he uh, toured and traveled with a guy named Brian Dirksen, um, who's, he was famous 20 years ago. He's still making music and different things. But anyways, Brian Thiessen was teaching me to play guitar. And he was using some new material that Brian Dirksen had written called The Father's House uh, to teach me uh, to play guitar. Uh, the Father's House was a musical that Brian Dirksen had written. He was getting ready to take his band out on a world tour. It was a five-year world tour. Brian Thiessen was going to be playing the guitar parts for this tour. Musical is really amazing. And um, Brian Thiessen came to me and he said, hey, Matt, um, my wife, we just found out that we're pregnant. And... I'm supposed to be playing guitar on this world tour with Brian. And he said, would you be willing to step in and take my place to go on this five-year tour? You know, as a 19-year-old kid, I'm like, absolutely. You know, he had already taught me all these guitar parts and everything else. And the school is, I was getting ready to graduate and move back home. And he says, that's great. Uh, we'll be in touch with you. And, and this was a massive tour, huge expenses and different things. So I immediately move home and I start making plans. And that's when I met my wife, Janelle. And I remember our, our first couple of dates were going out on dates. And I was like, I don't know where this is going to go or anything, but I'm getting ready to head out on a world tour for five years. I, you know, there's some time off and some time on. And she's like, oh, I'm a school teacher. Maybe in the summers I can travel with you guys and do these different things. I'm like, okay, great. So here I had this grand plan. I was so excited and, and everything was lined up. And, and um, I get a call from, from Brian and he says, listen, I know you've planned for this and you're working towards this. I, we did too. I've taken out a second mortgage on my home to pay for this and all these different things and all these investors. We can't do it. Um, it's not going to work out. I'm really sorry. And I was like, I was like, there goes my five-year plan, right? 
Anybody have your like, five-year plan fall through? I, was, I wasn't looking for a job at the time. I was rehearsing and practicing my things, working at some music store, really doing nothing all summer. And I'm like, what do I do now? <laughs> right, I had my, my five-year plan. And it's so funny. The, it was very shortly after I had heard this, I'm, out, I'm up on stage playing guitar, and there was a pastor in Indianapolis visiting because he needed a worship leader. And I had, believe it or not, I had long blonde hair at one time. But anyways, I'm up there, and there's another worship leader leading worship who had long blonde hair as well named James Sayer, a good friend of mine. And I'm playing guitar, and this guy's here to see the long blonde hair worship leader, Right? And so I, I just so happened to be there that weekend, which I probably wouldn't have been if I was on the world tour. And uh, the pastor's wife goes to this pastor who's visiting, and uh, he goes, hey, I'm here. I was checking out uh, for a worship leader. We need a worship leader at our church. And I'm here to see the, long, the guy with the long blonde hair. And she goes, oh, yeah, that's Matt Haup. It was supposed to be James Sayer. <laughs> they get the wrong name the, the whole way. Anyways, long story short, my plans fall apart. I'm like super depressed. I have no idea what's going to happen. And this, this pastor calls me and says, hey, next, next weekend we have a Sunday night service. Would you come and lead worship for us? I was like, yeah, sure. I'd never heard of him before. Drove to Indianapolis, hired me on the spot. Hired me on the spot. And the, the life shift from a world tour and doing all these different things and where that would have ended up to where God has brought me. You know, God doesn't always give us what we want. He gives us what we need. And sometimes we have these desires and these wants that, that look good and look like they could benefit God's kingdom, but God has something better. God has something better for you. It's really important that we, we I say this all the time, but we make our plans and God directs our steps. And we can only do that open-handed. We, we write our plans in pencil. God writes his plans in pen, Sharpie. It does, never goes away. So we have to hold these things with an open hand. God's provision is sometimes different than our vision. But trust this, God's way is always better. God's way is always better. We don't always get what we want. God gives us something better. He draws us close to him. Now the last thing I want to point out, the third fill-in in your notes is this. God goes to great lengths to accomplish his will. Can I get an amen on that one? Man, look, we don't even have to look at the story of Ruth, right? <laughs> Somebody going from Moab to Bethlehem, from, from, from out of God's family to in God's family, and not just in God's family, but birthing a bloodline that would bring Jesus to planet Earth. I mean, we can look at our own lives, and say, man, God goes to great lengths to accomplish his will. God uses our circumstances. Now listen to me here. This is really, this is really true. God uses our circumstances, all of them. All of our circumstances, our weaknesses, the weaknesses of others to accomplish his will. That's a hard truth. Let me say it again. God uses our circumstances, our weaknesses, and the weaknesses of others to accomplish his will. Elimelech was disobedient. Elimelech moved 
from the family of God, took his life in his own hands and said, I don't trust you. You're not going to give me food. I'm going to make my own way. Me and my sons, my sons can take up Moabite wives, which was a no-no. We're going to do life our way. Shaking his fist at the Lord. You did this to me. I'm going to do it myself. And God used it. God used it. Life is full of surprises. Life is full of surprises. God allowed a famine. Think about this one. God allowed a famine. People were starving. People were looking for food. And did you know the the word Bethlehem means city of bread? (laughs) People were looking in the city of bread that had no bread. God allowed a famine. And Elimelech moved. He transformed a Moabite woman into a follower of the Lord. Ruth would not even be in scripture if Elimelech had never left Bethlehem. She wouldn't even be in scripture. Now get this one. He allowed the nearest kinsman, Mr. No Name, dude, to, be, he, to turn away his responsibility, to say no. He, he knew what God's word said. He knew what his responsibility was. That's why he instantly said, I will redeem her. I'll do my duty. Nope. When he saw the cost. Boy, doesn't that hit home? Lord, I'll follow you. I'm after you. I'm a Christian, man. I'm going to go for this thing. Then, then life hits. We're like, I, I, I don't know if I would have followed you there, Jesus. You know, I mean, it's like, it was all good and everything when we were here and everything's going well. But man, like, Los Bordos? I don't know, you know. Guatemala? I, you know. I, or maybe life just gets hard. You know, when it's, when it's all rainbows and unicorns, we're all after Jesus and everything else. But when it's tornadoes and pterodactyls, we're like, no, 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 no. Right? I'll redeem her. But he doesn't. There are, these, these are all miraculous and amazing things that have changed not just Naomi and Ruth's lives, it actually changed the world. God did all of this to preserve and protect the bloodline of his son. That genealogy that that we can read through at the the very end of chapter four, all of this happened under the provision and sovereignty of a God who is in control and active in the lives of humanity. All of it, all of it was under his control. It may be crazy hard hard, or ridiculously easy for you right now. But know this, know this, God is at work in your life. God is at work in your life. He is using your circumstances to grow you and change you, and here's the key, this is the point, to draw you nearer to himself. God is using it to change us and draw us closer to him. Christianity isn't a religion. It is a relationship. A relationship with the creator of the universe. And you don't go into a relationship with the creator of the universe and walk out the same. We will be changed. If we are in relationship with God, we will be changed. And our lives will look different. 
our lives will look different. When we come into relationship with God and we come to worship and we gather together to focus on him and to hear the truth of his word, if it just stays here, it is not relationship. It is just religion and God hates religion. God wants to see us change and go out of this place with the truth of his word and change this world. We are world changers. We are not like the world. We are world changers because it's his Holy Spirit that lives in us. It is him who has changed us. And he has a purpose for you. You may be sitting out there and you're like, man, I had this five-year world tour planned. I have, I've got this going on, I've got this going on, we're good to go. And it just falls through. God has a plan for you. We believe here at Mission View Church that everyone has a mission. Everyone. God has a mission for you. And it's a world-changing mission. Don't be like old dude who's not even named. Don't throw it away. Don't throw it away. Jump on it. Man, jump on it. His word is true. He's given us responsibilities. You are meant to use the gifts that God has given you for his kingdom. And there's nothing better than that. Nothing better than that. I'm telling you, there's nothing better than that. It's one of the hardest things for musicians as I talk to them and God's plan for their life. I'm like, you can go and play in front of 15,000 people. I've done it. You can go play in stadiums. You can go play these huge festivals. I've done all that. There is nothing, nothing better than coming together with your brothers and sisters in Christ and singing his word back to him and singing his truths to him and using your gifts for his kingdom. It's not just musicians, it's teachers and it's lawyers and it's doctors and it's you. It is you. God has specifically gifted you for his kingdom, for Mission View Church. If you're just sitting in the seats, you're missing it. You're being the no name. You're being dude. Don't be dude. <laughs> That's enough preaching, right? Don't be dude. That's really where I end? I'm sorry. You deserve better. <laughs> Let's just be honest, right? Oh, Lord, help us. Let's pray. God, help us. God, help us to use our gifts for your kingdom. God, we don't want to be that guy. We want to be a people that you use up for your kingdom, that every minute of our lives means something for you, Jesus. God, that's our passion. You have changed us by your gospel, the person of Jesus Christ. Let us take that out of here to everyone we meet, that every conversation we have would have a tent of the gospel, that every job we do for our boss would have the glories of the gospel poured out in it, that we would, we would serve you in your kingdom. God, I pray for everyone sitting here and everyone listening on live stream right now that in the power of your name, that you would spark a spark in their hearts for your kingdom, that you would bring out those gifts that you've placed in them, that they would live into those gifts for your kingdom. God, that we would be world changers, that we would take a grasp of the mission that you've placed on us for your glory. Use us up, God. Use us up for your kingdom. 
We thank you for your word. May it change us and grow us by the power of your name in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing our closing song today.